0: All right, if you brought your Bibles, it is good to see you here this morning. I want you to make yourselves at home. And uh, if you need the the facilities, restrooms, they're out through those doors and in the hallway there, uh, men and ladies. And then there's a nursery back there. It should be uh, pretty much stocked. And so uh, uh, just make yourself at home this morning. Acts chapter 7, Uh, but I'm going to stop off here in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to look at... This deacon, one of the first deacons in the early church, this man called Stephen. Now, last week we preached on church structure. And we're in a series of messages on uh, the early church and the importance of the church and how in, in America, let's just keep it in America, that churches have gotten, let me say it nicely, they've gotten out of calibration. Calibration. Let me say it like that. Uh, uh, they, they need to be brought back into calibration. They need to be recalibrated to the Word of God. The Word of God is our final authority. And so the Bible has the patterns and and it has the formulas. I'm a formula person and I, I like formulas. And you'll find many formulas in, in the Word of God on how to properly do things. And of course, uh, in, in the course of this, as we're chasing the church, the early church, and I I understand we're in the book of Acts. I understand we're predominantly Jewish, and I got that. But we're seeing uh, what God is blessing, what God is smiling on. We're seeing that the devil is fighting this church. He was doing his best to try to stomp it out in its early stages, and he was not able to do that. He is uh, uh, trying to do that today, and I think one of the tactics that the devil has used, and he began to use it in the early church, is to begin to infiltrate and to come in. And Christ spoke of that, about the tares having been planted with the wheat. And and, and he's doing that to try to destroy it from within. And again, he's not going to be successful. But it is kind of interesting to look at these things, and so Catch it here in chapter, I want to say chapter 6 and about verse 7, uh, because this is where we ended last week with God's blessing for the pastors having appointed seven deacons. And as we left the church, we understood that it had close to 52,000 people here in this early church. And what we've been doing is every time we see the word it multiplied, Uh, it could have multiplied by three, it could have multiplied by four. doesn't say, but we understand it multiplied more than by one. And so we were conservative, and we just times it by two every time that we seen that. And so now we're at 52,000 people. It's the first mega church in the Bible, which is the church at Jerusalem. This thing's taken off. Somewhere in here, we'll begin to see the Scriptures emphasize that these people in the early church were followers of the way. And that's what Stephen is going to be preaching about. Now let's look here, verse 7, "...and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied." That's where we come up with 52,000 people. "...in Jerusalem greatly, so it could have rightly been more than doubled." And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. See, when God gets in it, other people, it's just kind of catching. They just begin to get in on it because they want to get in on the blessings of God. They're getting saved and getting involved in the work of the Lord. And then, and Stephen, that was one of the seven deacons. And we're kind of getting a look at what a deacon's job was. If you was to back up to verse 3, he says that the apostles... He says, Look ye out, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Remember? The deacons are not over the business. They're over this business. You say, preacher, what was this business? It was the widow's table. That's the job of the deacons. They are servants to the church. He said, well, I thought the pastor was the church's servant. No, the pastor is God's servant. And according to this passage of Scripture, if you was to read from verse 1, they're to be given continually to prayer and the Word of God. Uh, that's a, that would help us a lot in our churches today if pastors were given to prayer and the study of the Word of God, I dare say that it would clear up a lot of fogginess in the the pulpit and clear up a lot of cloudiness in the pews. And so the deacons are to be over this business. It's what the Bible, I love the Word of God, don't you? How clear and precise. There should be no debates about what a deacon does. It's here in the Word of God. And then the pastoral epistles covers it again. So why is there so much debate today? Well, as I told you before, there's tares that have come up. Uh, you've got the children of Satan. The tares are planted with the wheat. And they're there to tear up things. And so it's get Stephen, who's of honest reports, full of the Holy Ghost of God and full of the wisdom of God. And he says, uh, and Stephen, full of faith, "...and power did great wonders and miracles among the people..." And then there arose, this is an attack from the outside, uh, of the synagogue, of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. almost sounds like a big denominational thing, doesn't it? I mean, everybody has their own little tag and their own little branch, and I told you a number of weeks ago, I I, I don't try to overemphasize denomination, but if you want to go first class, go Baptist. And... So uh, I'm not saying that they're not the only ones going to be there. Uh, there's, of course, there's going to be other people there from other different denominations. There's many other denominations still preaching the gospel today, but you want to go first class, go Baptist. I can't find that in the Bible, but it sure sounds good and it puts a smile on everybody's face. It might not be biblically accurate. You let the Holy Spirit work with you on that stuff, uh, but it only—that's—that's that's what my mind thinks of. when I see all these libertines and Alexandrians and Cyrenians. You know, everybody's got their own little flair and you know, little little slant on things. And so, verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom in the Spirit by which he spake. That's Stephen. Why? Because he'd been in the book. He is full of the Holy Spirit of God. Then they suborned men. That means they're going to pay men to be false witnesses. That's the devil's crowd, ain't it? "...which we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council." That's what I wanted to read down to. They catch him. So they drag him to their council. Now come with me to chapter 7. And then verse 51. So what's Stephen do? Does he cower in the corner? Is he going to say, well, okay, guys, I didn't know I was so offensive. I didn't understand that. No, he preaches them a message. And buddy, he can peel the paint off the walls. I find it so amazing that sometimes every once in a while people say, I wish you could have preached more like Jesus. You know, he was so sweet and kind. Have you ever studied the Lord's messages? Man, he was a rough preacher. And see, if you say, well, I, boy, I didn't know that. I thought he was really sweet and milk toasty. And, and no, he was a man's man. Matter of fact, they said, the people said, because the Lord asked Peter, he says, Whom do men say that he am? They said, some say, Whoa, oh, you're Elijah. <laughs> now, the Elijah was a fire breathing preacher. He said, some say you're Elijah. And he says, others say you're Jeremiah. Jeremiah had had a heart of compassion, and he was noted as the weeping prophet, but he was still going to preach the truth. And you're like, oh, oh, my soul. And then some said, well, uh, you're Jeremiah, the prophet. Like, no. He said, when the Lord says, well, who, who do you think that I am? Who do you say? He said, we know thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. If you want to understand a little more about Christ and how he preached, you study those three men in the Bible. Uh, and, John, and John the Baptist, Jeremiah, I know I said Jeremiah twice. I knew it when I said it. It's okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. Uh, 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 it'll be okay. Just settle down. It's okay. Preacher is not losing it. <laughs> and Elijah, you study those three men. That'll give you a better look of what kind of a preacher Christ was. So Stephen preaches them a message, and so we're going to catch him right here in the invitation, in the last part, his conclusion in verse fifty-one. He says, "Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears." Boy, he's not ending on a positive note. Now is he? That's what they teach you in Bible school: always end your sermons on a positive note. You know, you can't always do that. Depends on what you're preaching. And he says, "Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do." ye which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers oh boy he's not slowing down who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it and when they heard these things they were cut to the hearts Now you're going to begin to see the workings of a demonic, stirred mob. That's what's going on here. This is a demonic, stirred mob. They weren't Christians. They weren't Christians. They weren't saved. They weren't having a difference of opinion. They were against Christ. Now watch this. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now you can take out both ways. They literally come running up on him, started biting him, or they just started hollering. You ever been in those arguments you can't get a word in edgewise and they're just gnashing on you with their teeth. Like devouring. Like a chihuahua. A yip. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, so he's full of the Holy Spirit of God, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus See, that was the big problem. They didn't think Jesus was alive. That was their biggest problem because the Sadducees were empowered this time and they did not believe in life after death. They believed that when you died, you were dead like a dog and you didn't go to heaven or hell. You were just gone. Nothing new under the sun, is there? And so they were. this was really going against their ideology. They didn't believe in a spirit. They didn't, definitely didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. And they didn't believe in the reality of angels. And so Stephen incorporates all three of those things in this message, which they had resisted to the point that now they're so stirred up, they're going to gnash on him. And so he sees heaven open he sees jesus standing on the right hand of god and said behold i see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of god and boy these devils start crying out and then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was saul now we'll take a look at him in the weeks to come, because he's important to the early church. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you. Now, Lord, we thank you for these people that have come out today. Lord, help them to gain insight into the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit reign supreme, but then let us understand the importance of friends and friendship. And if anybody in here today is not a friend of Christ, that they could change that today by accepting you as their Savior. Now let the the Lord reign in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So Stephen... One of these deacons. So instead of sitting in a committee in the back room trying to give grief to a pastor, he's out doing exactly what a deacon in the Bible is supposed to do. And so he's keeping up with the widow's table. He is making sure that he's relieving the pastors some of the time so they can spend more time in prayer and the Word of God. And they're supporting this early ministry of the pastors. It was so important. Could you imagine? 52,000 people. Now, the church I come from, we were running about 300 and 350. And I got news for you. Oh, there are about 300, 350 in the auditorium. Uh, You catch yourself coming and going. And you have to have more than one pastor. And as we grow, uh, you will find that I will need more and more help. It's hard to keep up with more and more people. And so other people will have to have uh, jobs and positions that they will do to help relieve uh, the load or help the pastor bear the load. So Stephen's doing just that. He's able to handle the Word of God. He's able to handle the mysteries of the Word of God and the doctrines of the Word of God. And he's preaching. He's a a man who could handle the Word well and preach. And he had the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And I will tell you this, people. uh, I, I, I would want you to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and ask God to anoint you. But I promise you, it's not going to turn out the way you think. You're going to have power with God, but the devil is going to hate it, and the devil's people is going to hate it, and they're going to pull down their guns on you just like they did Stephen. People, they pray that prayer sometimes. Lord, just fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, yeah, anytime your pastor has prayed that, and I pray that, but when I first started doing that in the early years of the church here, man things started coming loose all over the place i'm like lord what in the world going on if you wanted to be filled with the holy spirit of god and the more of god you're filled with the more the devil doesn't like it and the devil's children don't like it and they'll cry out and you're like oh my soul i don't know lord it might be too much (laughs) remembered of a story of a young man he was telling me he said yeah i had this school bullying. Said he wanted to go behind the school to fight. You know, in those days you could do that and not get in trouble. You know, that things never escalated past a good fist fight. And uh, uh, <laughs> and he said, so he got back. He said, now look, you know, we're going to fight. All right? He said, okay. And, and this this gentleman that was telling me this, he says, I was afraid of him. I was like, man, this guy, if he hits me, he's going to hurt me. So he said, I hauled off and hit him and knocked him knocked him down. He said, that was. He said, oh, I didn't mean that hard. <laughs> don't don't hit me that hard. And sometimes we're like that with the Lord. Lord, fill me with that Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, he fills you you like, oh, Lord, I didn't mean that much. I didn't know this was going to happen. Well, it does. And the Lord's given us a, a look into that. Stephen, he keeps telling you over and over, he was filled with the Holy Ghost of God. It means he was being directed and guided and living his life in accordance to how God wanted him to do it. And so the devil, we've seen that he's been attacking the church from within. Remember, Ananias and Phyrus, they were members. They were saved people. And Peter says they got to lying about what they were given. And, and, and so Peter looked right at him. And sometimes I pray for that discernment. I just don't have that kind of discernment. I don't know how Peter picked up on that outside of the Holy Spirit of God, but he did, and he looked right at Ananias and said, Why has Satan... Filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost of God. And so we've seen Satan was attacking. And that was the message we preached there on don't let the devil have a nail in your heart. One nail. Don't let him do it. And then we seen him attack from without. And now this is an attack from without. And Stephen preaches. And then the devil's crew, they don't take kindly to this type of preaching Stephen is doing exactly what the Bible commands a pastor to do. Remember in 1 Timothy 4, he says, Preach the Word of God. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove negative, rebuke negative, exhort positive. That's a formula. God has given the pastor the formula to keep your church balanced. For every two negatives, you preach a Positive. A lot of churches today preaching all positive, don't they? It's all positive and cotton candy. Sometimes we need some of that. I mean, I I love dessert. Sometimes I like eating dessert before I eat my veggies. But you can't leave your veggies out. (laughs) You can't leave good, nutritious food out. So you got to have the reproving and the rebuking. And that's what Stephen is doing here. And the devil's crew. They don't like reproving and rebuking. Sometimes you'll hear it like this. I just don't like his tone. I get told that a lot. Don't like your tone. Well, you know, my mama used to say something like that. You get that bad look off your face. This is my happy face. This is me when I'm happy. This is me when they bring the grandbaby over to the house. Oh, it's my doodlebug. There she is. Yeah. Let me have her. You're like, are you mad? I'm happy, man. My heart's puttering. It's like, this is my sad face. Hey, you know, when's lunch? <laughs> kind of hard to read that. <laughs> but uh, people, they don't, I don't like that tone. Well, of course not. You don't like reproving and rebuking. You don't like the authority of the word of God. And Stephen handled the word of God with some authority, just like a pastor should and the deacon should. And so we see here that Stephen gets stoned. Stephen finishes his course well. He does. Maybe it doesn't turn out the way that you thought. Maybe it should on the definition of finishing well. I know when we think... Well, we're going to finish our race well. We're thinking of running in and crossing that finish line. We're the hero, and we get the, we get the, the trophy. And, and boy, we're just number one. Uh, finishing well in the eyes of God is not always like that. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about finishing well. He said, I have fought, my, fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. That, that's That's what you need to focus on, keeping the faith so we can learn from Stephen to help us, me and you, finish our course for God well. The first thing I see in the life of Stephen here is he worshipped in the house of God. I mean, if you was to back up to chapter 6, when they went to pick these deacons, uh, I mean, he says, you need to pick out some men, pick out seven men that's of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost of God, and full of wisdom. Well, there is going to have to be present and have already been working in with that group to be picked. I know, it got quiet. I hit a snag. I can see it. Y'all have to learn how to keep a smile on your face. I can read those things. The Bible's clear to tell us in 1 Corinthians 4 that a steward that handles the mysteries of God must first find himself faithful. You know, I was thinking about uh, uh, three things while the singing was going on. And about life and about people in in general, and 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 I, I you know we're we're so off onto oh we want to do something big and monstrous over here and and I want to preach a message one day on uh, don't forget about the little things And that phrase shows up in the Bible, but in your life if you'll just focus on faithfulness, consistency, say aren't they one and on the same, no. What I mean by faithfulness is you need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm in the context of coming to church and being in the house of God. Because that's what we find Stephen doing worship, and he was faithful to attend, but consistent. I'm talking about your attitudes. I'm learning in this day and age, people are, are like roller coasters, so up and down. They change with the moon phase. They're like, oh, 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 oh. You need to learn how to be consistent. Your spouse needs to know what they're coming home to. They, they, don't ha- they shouldn't have to guess whether it's Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. I won't go any farther on that. <laughs> but then, to obey. Those three things. Now, they're not big. Try doing those three things consistently. To obey. Brother Dave's been doing a good job teaching the adult Sunday school class. and He's on obedience. To obey. Why can we just not simply obey? Stephen was an obedient service servant and he was worshipping in the house of God. One of the seven deacons picked from one in the church. Full of the Holy Ghost. Honest report faithful to the house of God faithful in handling the word of God he understood what was going on and he understood that Jesus was the messiah he didn't care what the religious crowd said he knew that his bible to be true he didn't care about the sanhedrin's commentaries they were off in the left field somewhere but then we see that he worked in the house of God he was not a spectator church is not a spectator sport it's not every individual and we're, i'm trying to teach the younger generation now that is the whole ideal behind the small ones now we're 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 missing out on our teams now and i knew we would did i not tell you that i told you that i might not be able to reach them But we've got the six year olds and under and they understand that when they come to church that they have a function in the body of Christ and they're here to be givers, to be a blessing, to give a blessing and to bless people's hearts, to learn how to be in service and teach them how to take up the penny march and an offering and how to be involved. We've missed out on that. And I'm looking forward to the day that the little grandbaby, Terry Ann, is able to begin to sing the B I B L E and Jesus Loves Me. It starts little when they're small. But I will tell you this I can't out preach the parents and the grandparents in the home. You're going to have to have some church through the week. Or it just ain't going to grab a hold. You can't give them to the devil six days a week and let, try to think that the pastor's going to be able to work a miracle in one hour. And then you miss them. And then you don't care whether they get in, they get out. Or they're not here. I got news for you. There's a message coming. And I'm going to tell you when I'm preaching, you wouldn't be here. And it's going to be out of 2 Timothy chapter 3 on raising that last generation. And I've got it about halfway done. We're raising the last generation who is a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. They're lovers of their own self. And we're doing that because we're not holding them accountable. And we're not teaching them about responsibility. And what's important? To be a worker in the house of God. You'll never find that church... Is a spectator sport, but churches today have turned it into a spectator sport. I believe when in the early in the eighties and nineties, when when uh, uh, music, country music, uh, any kind of music, pop rock, what whatever, uh, it stopped being a man and a guitar and a microphone with a band behind him and singing because he had some talent. He didn't need to know. uh, He didn't need to know one of those or have one of those auto tune machines. You ever hear some of these artists sing without their auto tune machine? It, it it goes out on them. And they're singing live. They can't. They never do hit an on note. Back in the day, but that changed. And why is because uh, music was about uh, an image, and so they had people that had a certain image and a look, and they were popular. And so they wanted to throw them in. They couldn't sing, and so what they did is they started having a show. They put a show on. And so you have the laser lights and the smokes and the mirrors and, and all that. And they're up there and they're dancing and all the, the, the fireworks and all that. And you want to know why they do that? Because they can't sing. And people just lap that up and like, oh, oh my hero, look at that. Look at that light show. Nope. And we've turned churches into that. Of course, now we call that praise and worship teams, you know. And they get up there and they they got their little stuff. Well, they were just playing in the bar the other night. You know, they were. You can see it on Facebook. And then they're sitting there and they're going to sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus with their long hair and uh, dressed in black. And got silver in. They got five-star pentagrams. Hey, I know what I'm talking about. Church is not a spectator sport. It's to have you, the people, Get involved in the work of the Lord. Stephen was not a critic. A lot of people, you you see that. We're living in the days of critics. 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 Well, I would have done it like this. I should have done it like that. (laughs) Why don't you get down on the football field and see that front line coming at you and see how well you throw the football under the heat of the moment (laughs) let somebody let let the head coach throw a bunch of different things at you to try to get sorted out and get put in and make it look right brother Dave he did a good job this morning didn't he (laughs) we were throwing all kinds of things at him yeah do this do that oh yeah that's right we got to get that in there he did it he did it well good good wasn't a critic He had pure religion. He watched over the widows. He visited the fatherless and he kept himself unspotted from the world. That's what the Bible says there in James. Pure religion and undefiled. Before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's Bible. That's in your Bible. Pretty simple, ain't it? I see that he watched over the gospel. That's what Stephen's doing. They catch him. They grab him. He says, we don't like what you've been preaching. And they had hired false witnesses against him. They suborned men there. And they're going to try to make a case out of this. And Stephen, he just puts a grin on his face and says, get your Bibles out. (laughs) Oh, they didn't want that. Jude says this, beloved... When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, Stephen is a contender for the faith. He wasn't going to back down. Jesus and Jesus only could save you. See, the Sanhedrin said, No, you can keep the law. We don't need the Messiah. We want the king. You can't have the king until you have the Lamb. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. And they didn't like that. And they took it up with Stephen. This, Of course, this demonic horde doesn't like the very name Jesus. They don't like it, the word of God or the Bible. And if you think I'm funny on that, take your Bible into the restaurant next time with you. Go sit down and just sit it up on the table and see what people do. They'll walk around that thing. They'll stare at that. And they're like, ooh. Your waitress... Probably won't want to wait on you. Be scared to death of that thing. Word of God. Why? It stands for something. So he watched over the gospel. He was a preacher of righteousness. We see him here in chapter 7 pointing out sin and the coming judgment, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. So he was a watcher, a contender. My last point, and I believe that it'll bring it all together on why I think he finishes well, is because he was a workmate of Christ. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the Lord said, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you. He said, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you get saved... And and when, when when you get saved, God wants you in the service of the Lord. And the Lord says, You're going to yoke up with me. You're going to be a workmate with me. And you've got a job to do, and Christ has a job to do. And the Holy Spirit lives down in our hearts. And He works with us. He helps us. He's our helper. And here's Stephen, a workmate. Of Christ, Stephen denied himself. Hey, this wasn't uh, uh, easy to do. I'm sure he didn't. I I, I think he knew probably what was going to come, but he didn't shrink back. He denied himself. He picked up his cross because that's what he's preaching about, and he followed Christ. He followed Christ in the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's trying to do here because a lot of these priests had gotten saved and he took that opportunity to preach Jesus again, to preach and he weaves them all the way from Abraham. He takes them all the way from Abraham and he weaves the gospel all the way up to the cross, the crucifixion. And they were familiar with those scriptures. And he's opening the scriptures. They've seen it. That's why they got so mad. There it is in black and white. And then he talks about Christ having arisen from the dead. And then when he says, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Oh, they went mad. They were crazy mad. Because he's saying, he's testifying, he's seeing the resurrected Savior. And that was totally against what they believed. And so they stoned him there. In this life, you're going to make a choice to be a friend of God or a friend of the devil. That's your choices. In the next life, you will spend your eternity based upon this life's choices. Friend of God, that means you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You're recognizing that He's that God manifested in the flesh. He come, He lived, He died, and He rose again, and He's seated on the right hand of the Father. And you're going to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You're going to accept uh, the sacrifice that He made to pay your sin debt that puts you in enmity with God. And then you'll side to be a friend of God meaning that you'll be found in the house of God and you'll be found busy in the work of God and you will be a watcher over the gospel of God. And yes, if things keep going the way they're going in our country, it could be us that end up giving our lives for the gospel. We kind of got a little glimpse of that in 2020 the COVID lockdowns, what they were doing, the preachers and the churches. I believe it'll get worse in the years to come if God tarries. I pray that God don't tarry. If you choose to be the friend of Satan, then hell is going to be your home. And see, that's not what God wants for you. Stephen chose to be a friend of God. Here's what the Bible says in John 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Stephen was a friend of God. Stephen didn't have to say, you know what, guys? You better let me go pray about this. Stephen gladly stepped up to the plate. And he says, men and brethren, hear me. Let me preach you a sermon here and he took that opportunity to share jesus because jesus was his friend stephen laid his life down for his friend that's because jesus had laid his life down for stephen that's right jesus also laid his life down for you and for me Jesus wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. Jesus wants to be your friend. Now, I got news for you. You're going to need a friend. The Bible talks about a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I got two brothers, and we're pretty close. Jesus says, I'll stick closer than a brother. Jesus wants to be your friend. This Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Stephen gladly laid his life down for his friend because his friend has laid his life down for him and saved him. And he was willing to die for Christ, but there's a little more there. The Bible says that Jesus is seated in the right hand of the Father. But do you see this? Stephen is being stoned. And God kind of opens the heavens up for Stephen, a friend of God. And Christ is standing, watching, looking over. Why? Because Jesus was Stephen's friend. And the Lord was taking notes. And the Lord stood up. The boys, we need to stand. He's coming home. He's my friend. And we're going to bring him home. This is the kind of friend you need the kind of friend that'll stand up take note when you're going through troubles and trials in life. And you're going to go through troubles and trials. You're going to need a friend. Jesus can be your friend. Let's all stand this morning.